0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Pedagogy Matters podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to bring to the fore some key topics of conversation in relation to learning and teaching, to discuss, to break down aspects of practice and provide snippets, advice and guidance as to how to integrate these into our daily practice. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Johnny Kay. Johnny's an expert in the world of all things English and maths. Johnny, good afternoon, how are you? Hello sir, very well, how are you? Yeah, great. Thanks. Not bad for a Friday afternoon. That's an interesting type of recorded podcast, but uh, we're here and we're committed, so let's go. Yeah. So I think for the benefit of the listeners, kind of both in Scotland and kind of elsewhere across the UK, a bit of background about yourself, really, if you don't mind, in terms of kind of what's your journey been to kind of get where you are now.
1: Yeah, of course. Um, I'll uh, I'll cut out the bit of uh, being born and going to primary school and go straight to the the, the professional focus. Um, I was qualified as a, a secondary school English teacher, um, what feels like a very long time ago. Uh, eventually ended up as a, as a head of English in a secondary school um, and then a sort of uh, an opportunity arose at a college that I'd actually been to as a younger man, um, as, uh, as head of English and Maths, so went for it, got it, um, had a, a very successful couple of years, um, held a, a similar position at uh, another college before um, eventually ended up as, uh, as Head of Teaching and Learning and Assessment at Newcastle College. So fairly, fairly varied um, and some very interesting and, and exciting opportunities along the way, thankfully.
0: That's fantastic, Johnny. I know we, we, we've spoken quite a lot about you know vocational education more broadly, but also English and maths, and that's really the purpose of today's conversation, really, is to shine a light on, I guess, what your views are, what your thoughts are, what your experience has told you, and to provide some some hints, tips, perspectives for others that maybe can listen to this and think about how they can um, reflect on their practice and potentially look at different ways of taking their thing forward.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So I, I guess you've probably seen a bit of everything, you know, kind of working in schools and colleges. But I think what we'll do is we'll start with the kind of delivery of standalone English maths qual- qualifications. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I guess kind of from your views in the, in the college landscape, uh, maybe kind of how have they changed or kind of what are your thoughts around kind of where... Where have you seen that done particularly well and kind of what are, the, what, what are the commonalities there?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say certainly that even within the last few years, the standard is is improving. Um, I think, there's, you know, as you say, there's a greater understanding of what's required. There's more collaboration between um, people within departments. You know, I think in, in those worst case scenarios where we see silos where perhaps, you know, different levels, different qualifications and, and you know, staff who service different areas of the curriculum and maybe not talking to each other um and i think that's certainly the barriers around that are, are being removed um i think you know different colleges within regions are speaking to each other nationally there's more of a there's more of a forum of debate and discussion now you know people recognize and have a, a really good understanding of what their local regional and national challenges are and there's a lot more conversation which i think is fantastic i think certainly that you know a collaborative practice of you know making sure you've got a a varied and engaging curriculum and that suits the needs of of all students i certainly think that's come a heck of a long way Um, but i think for me i think a lot of colleges a lot of a lot of you know leaders a lot of managers a lot of teachers are perhaps looking at what they're doing and and realizing that actually they are maybe doing too much and that what you need to do is just focus on the basics and get the basics right keep it simple you know, keep it so that there's that you know that line of communication between vocational areas, between English and Math staff, between students, between parents, between guardians, and all stakeholders know you know what they need to do, how they need to do it, and and you know how they're going to get there. So really, just keep it simple and just do the basics very very well.
0: No, I think it's really points. So I'm going to kind of pick on a couple of those. And I think the first bit there you've kind of identified really is kind of clarity of of rules and keeping things really really simple. And you're yeah. right, you know? F.E. colleges and kind of Scottish colleges, English colleges, they're very complex beasts and often I'm going to say it's easy for, for things to get lost in the long grass or, or kind of lost in uh, translation. So I think the first point they kind of pick on there might well be that, that clarity of information and keeping things really simple. So I guess what are your thoughts on that in terms of let's focus on a, a lecturer's perspective from now mm-hmm. you know, in terms of kind of working with their cohort of learners? What are, your, what are your thoughts, tips or views there to kind of aid that with students?
1: Yeah, yeah. well, I think... You know, as you say, very, very complex beasts, FA colleges, and rightly so. Uh, I mean, some of these organisations dealing with tens of, of millions of pounds, and you need to be. You need to be a complex beast to make sure that the right things are happening at the right times from a number of perspectives. Whether that's, you know, basic compliance, teaching and learning achievement, whatever it is. I think for me, it's having that overall vision, that overarching vision of, you know, this is... This is how we approach things, not just from a perspective of, of compliance and data and planning, but also of an ethos and a vision. These are the things that we're going to do, and this is why we're going to do them. And everybody within the organization knows what those things are. You know, there's, you, you trim the fact there are no processes, no policies, no actions, no projects. There's nothing there that doesn't add to a positive outcome for students, whether that is a qualification or whether that is just being able to do things very much more in a sophisticated manner than you could a year ago so i think where we look at planning making sure that it's you know it's tight enough so that everybody's got a general picture of what they should be doing and when they should be doing it but loose enough that individual lectures can do that with their own flavor in their own way in their own style in it you know a really simple example i make a lesson i might you know present that lesson and it's it's a fantastic lesson i might give that exact same planning to you and you struggle to present that lesson, and vice versa. And I've seen that, and we all have. So making sure there's a framework in place for planning, so people know what they're doing when they're doing it. Basic timelines are there for everybody to see, so we all know there's going to be a mock on this day. We all know there's, you know, going to be these um, key events throughout the year, whether that's, as I say, an assessment, or whether that's, uh, you know, uh, 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 some enrichment in sport, which means loads of students aren't going to be there. So not just in English or maths, but everywhere. Um, and I think also that. Tracking and assessment, again, is as simple as possible, but the, the individual lecturers are feeding into that bigger system. So you you know, you know have lecturers feeding in maybe to a deputy head of department who then report into a head of department so that you have overview and oversight of what you need to, no matter what your perspective
0: is. And let's kind of hone in a little bit on kind of the classroom practice now. So individual lecturers, do you actually write it all kind of fits in? And I know, pardon me, a lot of kind of practice you've identified there it sounds really simple, but that's the most effective elements. You know, it's in terms of those effective routines. Yeah. I think a lot of the anecdotal feedback I've kind of heard of from speaking to lecturers and speaking to students at times is that English and maths is harder to teach because straight away there's a negative stigma from yeah. students. Because why have we got to do this again? I'm not very good at it. I've done this at school. I've done this elsewhere. So yeah. I guess what, what are the thoughts or what are the tips there for a lecturer or for a teacher to think, right how can how can they build that and develop those routines or behaviors with their students what are your thoughts on that
1: yeah I mean I think it's the, there's obviously the the bespoke English and math stuff but there's also the stuff that you you would say is good practice everywhere so having very high standards doesn't matter what you're teaching if you've got very high standards if you're fair if you've got empathy if you can break things down to you know you hear sort of worst cases as you know we've had the discussion you hear this they should know that they should know how to do that yeah well they don't to teach them. It. It's not about your sort of, you know, should have this, should have that. Just break it down. I think also uh, from an English and maths perspective, aligning yourself with, you know, the ethos and the values of the curriculum area and working closely with them. You know, can you get involved in induction processes? Can you do a really brief presentation in vocational areas and just, you know, let students know that you've got a close relationship with the head of construction, with construction lecturers, that you understand what the challenges are, um, contextualising, you know, properly and, and not sort of, you know, putting a putting a crossword in the middle of a, of a construction lesson and saying that that's embedding and vice versa. Not, you know, throwing around a couple of construction examples, actually working with uh, construction staff and, and, you know, hairdressing staff to properly embed and, and get those top tips in there. So for me, I think the basics, have those high standards, um, you know, be and have empathy for your students. Make sure that you're, you're breaking down the barriers and sort of chunking where you need to and differentiating to their level. Um, despite where you think they should be or where, um, you know, the national curriculum might say they should be.
0: And that kind of really builds on kind of point that's been discussed quite a bit this year. But I guess it's always been relevant, especially for English maths, is around a really effective initial assessment. But but I'm talking here, yes, you might do the college based approach, but I think more than ever now, but also English maths, but now more than ever, it's really important that individual with your cohort, you do a very thorough, in-depth initial assessment yeah agree. disagree
1: i think it again well it's a tough (coughs) one because it depends what your your definition of thorough is i think you know any initial assessment where you are assessing them sort of broadly across the skills that they are going to need to be successful and having seen that assessment you will have a you know a a solid idea of what strengths that areas for improvement and what the next steps are personally uh, you know thinking about it just me my days in a school where at, at times, you know, they'd have a transition week from year six to year seven and you'd, you know, you'd be asked to spend the full week asking them to do mock assessments. I'd get more out of a five minute conversation with them on the door than I would out of an, an hour mock assessment. Um, and I think similar, I think that there is absolutely a place for the, you know, the, the more formal, the computer based um, initial assessment that, you know, a lot of colleges have as a, as a mandatory step. Um, but I think also, as you say, you, you've got to have that time, that snapshot. At the beginning of that first lesson and um, but it you know it can't be an hour and a half mock because again you want high standards and you don't want students coming out of a GCSE exam or a, you know an assessment whatever that may be in the summer then coming into an initial assessment then coming into your lesson and doing another assessment yeah. you've got to break away from that you know heavy sort of really in-depth massive lengthy and it's got to just be low stakes but high impact.
0: Absolutely it all comes back to purpose What's the purpose yes. of it? If you've got to do something with it, then great. But you're absolutely right. The kind of first four or six weeks of, a, of an academic session, think, yeah, last thing you want to do is just kind of break students down by doing assessment after assessment after assessment. And you're yeah. right. That conversation or, or something that kind of really helps you build that relationship with the students is, is is more impactful than anything else.
1: Yeah, man. and, and by no means am I saying... <coughs> um, you know, stop doing initial assessments and just have a chat with them. Uh, just that there, there are many components, and we have to get a holistic viewpoint. And having a discussion and just you know watching what they can do and watching their interactions within the first session builds up that picture.
0: No, you're absolutely right. And I remember a former principal of mine kind of identified that we're not teaching English maths, we're making students literate and numerous, and that's absolutely bang on. That's kind of what we need to be doing. You know, so it's not a standalone part of their. Uh, their study, it's an absolutely fundamental part, and you're right there in terms of the communication um, across the college, across different areas. But I always go back to the individual lecture, what can you do? And my Scottish colleagues will hate me for saying this, but I still remember Gareth Southgate when he came out as England manager, the term he used was own the process. Yeah. And and that's kind of what we can do as lecturers. We can own our own space with our students, you know, and some of those points that you mentioned there are are particularly key, and the kind of ones that really draw back out still again, I'm going to mention is keep it really simple.
1: Yeah. Look at your curriculum and say, you know, we're doing this on this day, is it going to help young people to improve? Is it going to help students to improve? Is it going to help any you know, apprentices to improve? And if the answer is no, you've either got to scrub what it is or you've got to put a follow-up in there so that it's valuable. So as you say, initial assessment, if you just, you know, take it and you do it and sits on the shelf, is it useful? No. So you've either got to scrub it or you've got to plan some activity where you analyse what is being produced and you put some actions in place. Whether that is you know an intervention, whether that is you know an, an adaptation of your curriculum, you've got to do something with the numbers that you, you're constantly harvesting.
0: And that's it. And I know there's been a lot of um, research again across the piece around a key thing for English and maths delivery and, and success within the college sector is what repeated practice. Yeah, do you agree? Disagree? What are your thoughts around that?
1: Um, I've, I have these discussions often with I've got you know I've got a few friends who work in primary school and they tell me you know a lot of a lot of Different things have, have come out over the years around, you know, timetables or basic rules, right the way to, to, to year six or you know the the end of, of primary or even into middle school. Rote learning always works, and I think it is our job to make rote learning interesting. What I call guerrilla rote learning. As long as the students don't know it's rote learning, I think that's probably the way to go. If if they're coming in and saying, "Oh, we're doing this again," you've lost them. So I think making sure that yes, there's repetition but it is engaging and it is you know, differentiated and it is creative enough that the students don't realize it. Because let's have it right, when you're in a, a reset position or you're in post 16, there should hopefully be no new content. There shouldn't be any new content. So all of it is repetition. So I think the trick to, to good practice in post 16 is that the students don't realize this.
0: And that's where it comes back to, you know, I guess my point around the kind of effective initial assessment because we'll make a really simple isn't the case. Let's say in English has 12 blocks of learning or 12 things that learners should be able to do. If initial assessment is really effective, you identify student A is great at six of those, but needs to focus on the other six. Then that kind of tells our kind of lesson plan or strategies with learners to focus on those areas. Yes. On that theme, you know, staff workloads, are, it's a huge challenge right now. It always has been, but obviously because of COVID, because of different um, pressures, different challenges an evolution of college in terms of systems, approaches, and so on and so forth in less time. I guess technology may help to solve some of those time issues,
1: yeah.
0: but for other strategies as well. So I guess for English and maths teachers who are listening to this or heads of English maths, what are your thoughts around that in terms of, what again, what tips or what advice might you have around approaches to, to either being more efficient or using technology to support efficiency,
1: Ex- exactly the same as, as the other I think what we've got to see is you know as you know technology is, is no magic bullet um, if it's sort of it, it is likely the technology and the, the most useful and the sort of best technology is just going to supplement the things that you would do in any way that was successful and um, don't get sucked in by the gimmick don't have you know sort of you know you're, ref- you're referencing 12 apps and, and you know 15 different YouTube channels keep it simple Use it to supplement the good practice that you've already got. So again, we know low stakes quizzes work really well. Set it up on Microsoft Forms, set it up on Google Classroom. It's self-marking. It does something that you were already doing, but takes the workload off you. If we're introducing, I mean, you know, some of the gimmicky elements where we're, you know, trying to crowbar too many things in. You're going to make it too complex and it just isn't going to happen. So, use technology to supplement the quality practice that you already had.
0: And it comes back to that magic word again purpose. You know, so what's the yeah. point of doing that? Again, if you're not going to use it, don't do it. If it's not going to add value, don't do it. But in the same breath, there's, there's a lot of things out there's been a huge amount of development over the last 18 months, more so than the last 10 years, that might allow that increased levels of efficiency. efficiency, rather. Yes. So that, that reduce your workload. But again, it's about the purpose, about how it fits. And I know, again, different approaches taken by, by, by lecturers in the past have been kind to of really throw up their curriculum and look at it and think, actually, what do I not need to teach? What do I need yeah. to teach? It goes back to what you were saying before. Cut, cut to the core. It's, and again, as you
1: say, it's, if there's, you, you should never ever, for me, you should never, ever, ever introduce anything that is either um, not going to replace what you've already got um or cut down on workload in the long run because name enough everything no matter if you know if it will overtake something introducing it at the beginning will be a little bit of extra work as long as it makes something else obsolete so whatever you're bringing in should get rid of something else
0: absolutely and what i would say is again it it takes a think and time to do this but we've got the technology available now i know most colleges use microsoft teams or, or, or kind of google classroom yeah or actually there's an abundance of of online materials out there or materials created over the last 18 months where you may be able to develop pick a mixed out approach to students here as well in terms of to aid their own learning yeah. across whatever it is that you feel those key concepts that you need students to progress with for their mass delivery or for their English delivery, where you can kind of signpost students to there as well and kind of build in quizzes. So over time, come back that sustainability point you just mentioned there,
1: yeah
0: there's some huge opportunities where you can actually collaborate, as you've just alluded to again, with others in your college or outside of your college because we're all teaching the same aspects of maths, the same aspects of English. But yes, we want to make it relevant to other students, but there's a huge opportunity there to do something that takes a bit of time to invest in, but will save us a lot of time in the long run.
1: Well, I think this is this is the positive. I mean, you know, the Ofsted research paper recently, and there's, there's been others, um, government white papers have come out that have referenced a paucity of research in FE. I think that in itself is slowly changing. So access the research, and don't just stick to, you know, further education or post-16. Where we're looking at assessment, it doesn't look massively different than secondary schools or middle schools or primary schools. Look for those key tenets. Look for the, you know, the elements, the, the pillars that are telling you what works and what doesn't. And use that to guide your practice. Because I think where we talk about tech, you, you know, you get, you get people in education who just think, if I buy 40 iPads, that'll fix a problem and things will improve. Well, what are you going to do with the iPad? You know what is it? You know have you got any any specific apps? Is there a specific purpose to that, or do you just think getting you know getting a laptop in will fix a problem? Because unless you've got, as you say, the purpose, and unless it replaces something else, it won't.
0: And that's it. it. Ultimately, draws back to the effective of understanding of application of pedagogy, which is kind yeah. of what we talk about all along throughout this podcast series. And and really, yeah, education is made more comments by lots and lots of things. And this isn't meant to be a criticism. And it's about kind of us as practitioners reflecting and think. Yeah. What difference can we make? You know, everything that you've said in the last kind of 20 minutes has been really pertinent.
1: Yeah, man.
0: Conscious of time, vocational programmes. So I'm a construction extra. A lot of what I hear, and this is about construction, a lot of what I hear about vocational practitioners, that's not my job. When actually it's everyone's job to make our students more literate and numerate to progress into their career. Yeah. So I guess what are your views or, or kind of what are your top tips or, or advice or guidance or how will we rephrase it? Are people thinking that actually I'm not an English maths teacher. I struggle with this myself. Where where should they start? How could they do it?
1: Yeah, I think for me, you've you've got to be open. You've got to be honest with yourself about your own level, Um, and I think you've you've got to find a way to identify what that level is. Whether that is, you know, and you know, again, you don't have to do this, but you know, as a as a construction lecturer, I was not sure where your level. Could you sit down and do that same initial assessment? um it takes you 20-25 minutes to give you a really quick idea of what you need to work on and um, because you know we talk about that's not my job we've got a professional accountability and you've got a professional responsibility to improve yourself as well as your students and if you're not where you need to be for english and maths that's fine but it's not fine to, to do nothing about it so i think identify what your own level what your own standard is i think you've got to work with your english and maths practitioners and for me it's, it's about consistency so if we're in construction you know, there's, there's a, there's, you know, we're building something that requires trigonometry to make sure it doesn't fall over. Um, how is that being taught? Because likely they've been taught, students have been taught it one way in secondary, maybe three or four, depending upon how many teachers they had and what the ages of those teachers were. They're then getting taught at a different way from the post 16 practitioner and then a, a, another way again with the construction practitioner. If you can just have a really quick conversation, can I have a look at your resources? Share those resources, embed those resources. That'll take you 30 seconds to email or have a chat. Straight away, that student gets two hits of the same method. If you can, you know, hopefully space that out across your your respective curriculums, it's been reinforced. So again, that gorilla rote learning. They don't realize they're getting taught exactly the same thing in exactly the same way. They don't realise that, but it helps embed it.
0: And that's in I would say the kind of something on that. It's also worth just spending 10 minutes reflecting on your curriculum over the last kind of, 12 weeks. I think actually, where did I teach maths? Because I think what a lot of lecturers are surprised at, firstly, is, is how much they, they teach English this maths naturally as part of their programme. Absolutely. Kind of key terms and spellings and definitions. You know, that's a starting point, definitely.
1: And, and signpost it and, and there's, you know, there is the rote learning. And, and again, you know, this don't have to be a sort of, you know, two day conference where we all, we all are locked to a hotel somewhere. It put a call in, you know, go to, go to the cafe, you bring a scheme of learning. I'll bring a pen, right, there's where it's naturally occurring, there's where it's naturally occurring, I'll send you what I've got, instant consistency.
0: And that's the key bit, it's a naturally occurring, because I know, I, I still got back to an observation, it was actually a observation, where the lecturer kind of felt that they had to advertise to the students, oh, that's English and maths well actually, you do English and maths, that's a true story, <laughs> part, but I won't, won't go into that. But it's actually, what do is, is part of our daily practice, and that's yeah. the key bit, and for us, firstly, again, as a whole workforce, having that awareness, Having that confidence, you're absolutely right there, but can I have a conversation with others, look, I'm struggling on this, but how can I do it better? But the third bit and kind of most important bit, which is where you get the hook with the students, which is where the vocational experts, unless they have a slight advantage sometimes, the English mass, uh, yeah. stand-alone lectures, is students are there for construction, or there for care, or there for hair and beauty. Think about how, what's actually really needed within the workforce, within the industry, and draw it back. You know, so and, and again, the, the things
1: that I think too often we refer back to the, you know, the levels and the programmes and the courses and the qualifications, If again, that construction example, you know, I'm I'm going to ask you as a student and I'm the lecturer, how long do you think that'll take? That's maths. It's estimation, number, time, quantity. You know, if there's any sort of conversation going on, any form of message being communicated, that's English. And maybe you actually think of it less as maths and English and think of it more as literacy and numeracy.
0: Absolutely Right. No, and that's a really an exercise. And like I said, I'd, I'd implore people who are listening to this to do that. To spend even just ten minutes, I drive home or walking the dog or, or however you are listen. Think, actually, well, where have I made my students more literate, more numerate this week or last week? Or, or actually, struggle. Yeah. I know, rest- I, how
1: can I know we're short on time, but the one example I always go back to that helps people to realise this is, you know, we talk about maths, talk about English, talk about you know qualifications. If you think back to being, say, 9 or 10 years old, and you've got to cross a road, you've got to estimate wind speed, you've got to estimate car speed, estimate the people around you, you know, many, many variables, how quick you will need to be, how much you may need to improve or quicken your pace if a car's coming. You do all of those calculations as a sort of seven, eight, nine, 10-year-old in a fraction of a second, and you're then going to say as a 16-year-old after, you know, 10 and 12 years of, of, of education within, you know, schools and colleges, also outside with parents, carers, guardians, with your friends, you, you do these, you know, Constant calculations—you do that a fraction of a second, and as a 16-year-old, you can't do a long division. It's—it's just practice. It's habits
0: of behavior. and behaviour, yeah. and that's what comes back to. You. No, it's really, really interesting points, We may have to follow us up with another conversation at a different time. And Johnny, I must say, you've done really well. We've gone 25 minutes without mentioning your book. So <laughs> I, 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 we couldn't finish this without kind of sharing this with with, with kind of people that are listening to this. So obviously, you, you've got a wealth of experience. Now, with English and math, and obviously, you've kind of ended up on end up not finished your journey completely yet. <laughs> the next step of your journey has been to develop a book. So, just want to quickly share a little bit about what that is, where that came from, and kind of what the yeah, thought. man, yeah, ended up. Do you, you know something I don't? Um, but yeah, um,
1: so I think it was just it was it was roughly uh, the first lockdown. I was head of English and math department at the time, um, and actually, uh, because I came in from secondary schools, I, I sort of put myself out there and said during the beginning of the journey in FA. You know, I need a bit of advice here. You know, how do you do things? What works for you? Because, again, that part of your research. So I just reached out to as many people as I could, um, you know, making phone calls, emails, LinkedIn, turning up at, at, at colleges and, and just having a poke around what they do. And it, it tended to be, you know, when we were going through that first uh, teacher assessed grade process, I was getting a lot of messages, a lot of calls, and, and I thought, actually, you know, I, I may have some, some knowledge here. You know, I've, col- I've collected all these ideas from these people who were who better than I am. Uh, maybe I should put them in one place. And um, so, yeah, I, 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 had a, I had a chat with the, the wonderful people at McGraw Hill. They were uh, happy for, to you know move forward with it and and wrote it over that summer. Um, so yeah, uh, improving maths and English in further education, a practical guide was uh, sorted and released uh, in June this year.
0: Fantastic. And and I'm going kind to of spend my my well my hard-earned pennies on that, Johnny. What would I find? What what's within that? Is there, kind of, is there a wide range of strategies, ideas, potential solutions there for, for individuals in the workforce?
1: Yeah, man. Well, it's, it's, it's pretty much, I mean, it is it is just that. It is that practical guide for people at all levels. So there's there's so much in there for, for lecturers because, you know, as I was ahead of English and maths, I still made sure that I taught. I thought it was important that, you know, it was visible that I was doing that. And also for me to understand personally what the challenges were that lecturers were facing uh, and what the solutions could be. So sort I've of tried them myself. Um, so there's there's so much in there around, you know, quick wins and and cutting workload while getting really, you know, massive impact in assessment. There's a lot in there about behaviour management. There's elements in there for for middle and senior leaders around organising a curriculum, around timetabling, around, you know, the policies and the strategies that you need to put in place. Um, but again, also, you know, motivating staff, motivating students. So, you know, the softer skills as well as getting your curriculum right and getting your pedagogy right. So really for me, I wanted it to encompass um the entire sort of college experience no matter what level of, of, of staff was involved
0: no that's fantastic johnny and i have read it and there's some real fantastic snippets in there and, and just some ideas in the key but it makes you think and, and, and that for me is fundamental in anything that we do within further education is it's that perspective of others which we can use and reflect and think actually well, how can is that relevant to me help me use up to inform my work moving forward and this is a great starting point so yeah I, I'd, I'd certainly recommend kind of listeners to to take a look at that and have a read if, if it's of interest but very John, guy. Friday afternoon, January. Thank you very much for your time. You know, it's, it's been a very, very quick half an hour. There'll be loads and loads of ideas and, and topics and snippets and ideas of, of good practice. And like I say, I hope it's going to be of use to, to our listeners. So thank you very much and, and cheers for joining us.
1: Real, real pleasure. Thank you, man.
0: Thanks, Johnny.